Huzzah. Welcome to a new episode of Stuck at Home with me, Cliff Dorfman. And uh, this- hey, I'm just uh, I'm just heading down the 395 South on the way to Muskogee. I'm heading I'm heading Reno. I'm heading Reno down to Henderson. I'm I'm hauling I'm hauling a two ton, three ton, six ton. Tim I'm back in the buddy. Tim for everybody. Rubber Ducky. Jason Smith. <laughs> oh, Cliff. What's up, buddy? I well, I just want to welcome everybody to the show that talks about all the TV and film and uh, long haul trucking business <laughs> that we love and want you to love. Yep, and we tell you all about the streaming wars, what to stream and where to stream it. Just hang out with us. Yeah, and, nothing uh, else to do. Yeah, no, we have nothing else to do. And uh, and I just wanted to, um, you know, you know, what are we looking at right now? We're going to talk yeah. a lot about the crown today. But before we, you know, the reason we're talking about this long haul trucker stuff is because we found the new game. Of 2020, I can't found the new game of 2020, ladies and gentlemen. It is called. Yeah, tell everyone, please. It is called American Trucker. It is called American Trucker. We have we have it on here. We found out that there's a game where all you do is you truck. You truck from California all the way through California. You truck from Idaho to California. You truck down the 101. You truck down the 99. You You just truck. truck. And by the way, we're watching the trailer right now. A funny, funny story is that if I, you know, were to fail in this business, this is exactly what I was going to do. As a matter of fact, when I went bankrupt, Jason, uh, they, you know, I was actually looking into the truck driving schools and I ran into Chris Henchy at the Soho house, which is not really where a truck driver should be. I'm going bankrupt. I'm at the Soho house. Yeah. And the Soho house house has very few places to wash yourself in the way that you need to be clean (laughs) before you head out on the, on the route 66. So, so I ran, ran into Henchy and he knew, I told him, I said, you know what? I didn't know I was just going to be a truck driver. Fuck Hollywood. So I ran into, it was like six months later. And I think I had gotten a job finally. He's like, I thought you were driving a truck, Dorfman. <laughs> <laughs> and I keep thinking about that. Oh, like, hey, look, look, look. This inside is what we've been the truck. For. Inside the truck. You're inside the truck. We've just proven it all. Yes. On the show. That Our big curiosity about this show was we wanted to make, oh, it looks like the police can chase you. Yeah, the fuzz. Um, but Smoky. one of the things we were concerned about was one, can you be inside the truck? And now the second question that I didn't know I need answered, but do, can I get pulled over for driving too long? Am I going to hit a way station wired up on meth? And are the police going to come after me? Because I'm hitting all the drugs in the coffee rooms. Yeah, meth. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's like the only thing missing now from that simulator is meth. Because yeah. Jason is a freak about these simulators. He likes the helicopter one and the plane one. Like Jason will fly transcontinental. He has yeah. no 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 problem. Transatlantic, whatever the hell it's called. Yeah, yeah. And he'll do it for hours, oh, days, I, like I, a regular I, pilot. I just land in uh, at uh, Epstein's place. I pick him up and then we take a TIE fighter and we blow up the island. I get a little. Who's Epstein? Oh, Jeffrey Epstein. Um he was oh, one of yeah. Someone mentioned that he was a pedophile, mm-hmm. right? He's a pedophile. He's a he famous pedophile. And, and, and for a long time, the reason I referenced that is um, for a long time in that mi- the microfice flight simulator, that was a lot. A lot of people were doing. They were flying and then crashing their planes into Epstein's <laughs> private island. Oh, you mean after he got? Uh, did yeah. he get arrested? Is that yeah, he, he got, got arrested, arrested right? Yeah, yeah, he got arrested. So then he got busted. Everyone found out, and they were yeah, like, Ooh, and, yeah. and then they, they figured out where his uh, private island was and just started crashing planes into it. Yeah, yeah they're kamikazeing, but yeah. they're going to kill a lot of children if they do that. Yeah, no, I think that they're held in an underground bunker. They're uh, all children are safe. All the so, ones in American Truck Simulator are put behind some sort of uh, wall. So you're not if you are hauling kids across uh, across country, they are safe. No, no. No, um, um, nobody is being hurt in any of these simulations in my imagination. <laughs> well, so Jason's a freak about this. And he, I was always like, okay, I don't understand. Cause I don't, you know, I don't love flying. 
I was like, I don't understand. So you're simulating these things. You're just sitting there. You're driving like you're a pilot. You're flying like you're a pilot, like full real time stuff. Oh. And I, I, I would actually be like, oh my God, that's so ridiculous. And then today, Jason mentioned just offhandedly that like something about trucking and that there might be a simulator. I go, wait, <laughs> is well, there a simulator for PS4? <laughs> like, yes. Well, and, and here's what I'll say. I'm more, uh, and, and then we can get into our guest, but sure. I'm more of the, uh, space simulator. So when I, when we're flying from place to place, it's really station to station across galaxies. I am, um, you know, I go to cryo sleep for a little while. I wake up we're you know, we hit, you know, the alpha quadrant, that kind of stuff. You know, I'm doing the Kessel run. Um, that that's really what I'm doing. I got important space business to do. Um, <laughs> No. I got an important truck business to do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, this show, and I have the most fun of my day doing this show. And and today is the first day since we started doing this. So I can't wait for this to be over. I'm like, I wish I downloaded this before the show started so I didn't have to wait to play. <laughs> You're like, I got to get the I gotta get the truck. Hey, hey, listen, guys, it's been great. Watch some TV. I got a truck. Yeah, I got to make it to Albuquerque by well, noon. Speaking of the long haul. Okay, go. The long <laughs> Yeah, nice segue. Nice sequitur. <laughs> We are here today, and I brought a very special guest um, today uh, to do to help with this because I am of no help. Uh, but no, and, and it's see, weird because you're usually very helpful, and I am very helpful. And normally I like things, but I've I've got a block for this one. <laughs> but um, and so as far as I'm concerned, the long haul coast to coast trucking of TV shows, The Crown, has four seasons, four glorious seasons. That so you've far, written, and you've recently six. recently written an article about this, and hopefully oh, we're this about will be to. We're about, we're, about to. To, we're about to write an article about how, how great this show is, is kind of like this, this gigantic, like 40 hour movie. Mm -hmm. But, uh, um, and I happen to have one of the biggest fans and experts and a note, meticulous note Jason taker. Keeps looking behind him. Yeah. <laughs> TikTok influencer and overall, like keep Jason aliver, Stephanie <laughs> Slane Smith. Yes. Here today to uh, talk about her favorite show, The Crown. Okay, great. Can we just have her on, please? Because yeah, like, you, all you here. do is is make fun of me for the crown. <laughs> I want to talk to somebody who actually likes the crown, you know, unlike you. And I'm just talking. Stephanie doesn't hear me yet. Hey, Steph. Hi, Cliff. That was a seamless transition. Hello. <laughs> How you doing? Welcome Very back. Very good. How are you? I am excellent. So you watched all four seasons, right? So oh, you're twice, a fan. twice now. I've seen the whole thing through twice. Okay, so let's just start, like, I'm just going to ask you, so what, I, we, we know you love it. I love it. What I love think? it. Like what is, so let's talk, let's start from the first season. What do you love about this show and why? And then we can get into more nitty gritty. Well, I came to the crown by way of Downton Abbey, uh, which is another one of my all time favorite shows. Uh, I had finished a second watch through of Downton Abbey and Netflix suggested to me that maybe I would like the crown. So uh, I put it on and they were sure right about me. I love it. <laughs> Uh, when I suggest the, things you like, you don't listen. Jason's trying. Can you hear Jason talking? Yeah, Jason's not oh, an algorithm, okay. though. How do we get rid of him? Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> that would be your department. <laughs> I'll work That's on not it. My department. I'll work on it. Uh, Please continue. So, so I was, uh, I was sort of instantly captured by the story. It has a lot of the elements that I love about Downton Abbey. Uh, it's British and it's very grand, and the, the costumes are wonderful, and it's got a very sort of mellow, soft. Uh, sort of uh, musical quality That's to it, boring. almost. That's so, uh, so I loved it from the very beginning. I'm a big history buff. If I'm, I don't. Jason and I have very divergent uh, television opinions. Uh, I really only watch the news, uh, Survivor, Big Brother type, you know, competition reality, right. and then documentaries. 
So the crown is kind of a little bit, it kind of scratches that documentary itch in a way. Well, interestingly, you know, I came to the crown through uh, watching Peter Morgan's movie, The Queen in, you know, the theaters. And it was the first time someone had done an actual docudrama. Now, you know, to say docudrama, it's usually, hey, this is this is something that happened. We're making it like a documentary, but it's a film. And in this case, Peter Morgan used real footage with the actors. So you had real, did you see it? I have not seen The Queen. Oh, it's my been God. suggested to me uh, now it. on Netflix. Okay. So what The Queen is, is it was Peter Morgan's film that, that is a, he uses the real news footage with the actual actors and it's the... The story device is Tony Blair is the new prime minister and he's coming in to meet the queen just like Winston and everybody else did each season. And it's their relationship during Princess Di's death and her accident. And Ooh, okay. all I like the this. News footage. I like oh, this. It's fantastic. So what he started with the queen, he's now finishing with the crown. He said, okay, I'm going to go back and use everything that I did in the film, except he, he, and he still uses, he sparsely uses the cuts of the real footage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, one of my favorite one of my favorite things uh, to do when I watch episodes of The Crown is to go back when I'm finished and Google uh, the actual events and yeah. look at a lot of the images and the, um, the video if it exists from all of those times. Um, and it's one of the things that struck me so much about the show is how close they uh, how close they get it, costume wise and the sets and everything like that. It's beautiful and so such attention to do. Like you can tell, they put so much thought into all of it. Well, also it doesn't it doesn't shy away from like like Prince Philip being a Nazi, basically. You know, yeah. I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. You're not. <laughs> no. Right. Uh -uh. And they didn't shy away from it. It's like no, no, no. The royal family was deeply ensconced with the Nazis, and by the way, supportive of them up until the point they were going to get conquered by them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, I think that in um, one of the articles that I've read since then that uh, the the British royal family, the House of Windsor, has more German blood than Princess Diana. That makes sense. Who so is more properly British? You know what? By the way, that that makes perfect sense to me. And and I think and I'm learning things every time I watch this show. I mean, me even too. from the first was it the first season with the coal uh, fog? The coal I think smog? that yeah, that was the fourth episode, I believe, of the first season. Yeah. Oh, you really know? I love that. Only because so, I looked over it today. Okay. <laughs> well. Well. That, you know, and these are things like I had no idea that happened. None. They don't teach you that in Same. high school social studies. I didn't know about studies. the, the Aberfan with the, the mining uh, town or whatever where the coal tip. Right? Yeah. So sad. So sad. I mean, they did Dunkirk. Mm -hmm. You know, they touched well, on Dunkirk. You know, like I like to think of myself as, as really like a, a, I follow current events and things like that. But a lot of the things like Margaret Thatcher, for example, I was too young to really give a shit back then. Yo, so, can I stop uh, you, Steph? Sorry. Yeah, Did you know oh. how, 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 I mean, I'm going to use my first F-bomb. Did sure. you know how fucking racist this animal was? No, not at all. Me either. I thought she was, a, you know. Uh, we, uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I was, my jaw was on the floor that she would not sign a treaty to, uh, for the embargo. I'm sorry, an embargo against South Africa to stop apartheid. Yep. She hated black people. I mean, they basically said it. And then you read about it because I don't, I don't like knowing this stuff, to be honest with you. But I went back and I, I just said, Margaret Thatcher, racist. And the amount of stuff that came up on Google. And I'm like, this is why I don't watch the news because this is right. absolutely horrible. She's horrible. Yeah. You know, I like I said, I was too young to really follow. And, you know, being American, you know, you sort of take a passing interest. Uh, the Most of what I know about the British at that point uh, revolved around who was dating who and marrying who and whatnot. Um, but I, I knew Paul Revere. 
there you go. <laughs> the Boston um, Tea so, Party because it was Boston. So uh, it is kind of, you know, it's been really eye-opening to to learn some of that and to see where the 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 dramatic retelling of the events uh, strays from the historical accurate version of the events. Yeah, and I mean, we're going to jump around a little, but in this in this season, for example, uh, yeah, uh, by the way, Terry, I did see Diana in her own words. Have you seen this stuff? I did, yeah. Yeah, I, I liked it very much. I thought it was uh, very interesting, but again, it was more of a fluff piece. Oh, okay. I, yeah. I mean, I think so. I mean, yes. So when you think of that, Diana, in her own words, is told from telling the version in the most favorable light to her. Right. And so uh, and then there's certainly a counterpoint told in the most favorable version of Charles's remembering of it. And then the crown kind of falls somewhere in the middle, depending on the incident, how it is portrayed. Much more favorable to Diana and the crown and not at all favorable mm-hmm. to, you know, to. And, and I don't know if you remember, but when Princess Di Restersoul uh, died, uh, she there was a big kerfuffle in between the Londoners or, you know, Great Britain as a whole and the monarch. They felt Queen Elizabeth was not showing enough emotion for her death. Do you remember mm-hmm. this? Right. But that's very I mean, like if the crown is to be believed, that's very much her style yeah. and her her vision of what a monarch, what the sovereign should be and the role of the sovereign would not be to to portray a lot of her emotion. Remember in the first season, there's a scene where her grandmother uh, cautions her against showing too much emotion. Mm-hmm. I think that that's who it was. Either mm-hmm. that or her mom her somewhere mother. along the way. Her mother. Um, but it is, you know, it's one of those things that it becomes a repeating, a repeating theme throughout all of the four seasons that, yes. you know, that, there, she's stoic and practical and all of these things. Um, and there's some opinion that that may be why she's held on to the monarchy for so long um, because Prince Charles is kind of the opposite of that. Okay. I mean, listen, I don't know what's true or what's not per se, right? Because Same. there's only so yeah. much we can know, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, you tell me, it, it, and I'm not saying I don't want to meet every single person in the royal family because I do. But I mean, me they do not, they are not, uh, favorable to Charles. No. Well, and you know, like the, I feel like one of the really brilliant parts of the show is the way that it sort of takes you through this arc of emotion as it relates to Prince Charles. You feel so much sympathy for young Prince Charles and the way he's treated by his family, misunderstood by his father, which actually is a real point of contention. They say the queen has watched, uh, those episodes and, uh, disputes, the way that uh, Philip behaved towards Prince Charles and says it didn't happen that way. So I read so that. So you know today. it did. So that, therefore you know right. it did. So, but I mean, I think it's uh, it's an unfair characterization that he was completely cold to him and all of that. Um, I don't know if I necessarily believe that. So anyway, I agree with you. I feel like you go through the whole range of emotions with Charles. You feel a lot of sympathy for him and sympathy for the way he seems to have been railroaded away from his true love and into this uh this relationship with diana that neither of them were really all that excited about right and then it you take a wild turn and see him be such an asshole to her that you're like wow fuck you charles and you know um and then back again so um i have really mixed feelings about that whole prince charles but he's one of my favorite characters throughout the show because i think it's such an interesting uh, yeah oh gosh so good. Um, wow. 
I'm currently involved in an online March Madness style pool where they're pitting actors from the series against other actors from the series. For example, yesterday I voted on uh, Helena Bonham Carter's Princess Margaret versus uh, Wallace Simpson. Um, I don't remember the actress's name. And then today it was uh, Tony Lassell's versus uh, the Queen Mother, the super old one, Queen Elizabeth's grandmother. Right. So I picked Tony. Me too. That's what I picked. And uh, well, one of my favorites. You don't know one of my yet? favorites. I'll find out tomorrow. Okay, uh, I'll give you Yeah, can you but, give us uh, that? We'll do an update on Helena Bonham Carter defeated Wallace Simpson. No surprise there. Um, I think no. she's a she. I think she was like a second seed in the whole series. She is. I mean, look, she's a godsend pretty much from mm -hmm. fight. Everything she does, like fight, it doesn't matter what she does. She's, you know, she's a, a treasure from God, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so, Absolutely. So she, I mean, but let's, for a moment, I mean, I feel like everyone is so good, but the best is Olivia Coleman. I mean, this woman, oh. are you kidding me? Like so this, this, this so performance. Okay. So wait, before we branch too much into her performance, I do want to say yes. one thing and I want to ask your opinion about it. You know, they're showing a lot of the princess. First of all, I just want to say this is a blanket statement. I really, I really hope that, that her, you know, Prince Henry and Prince uh, uh, William are not watching this. Oh, you know, I, that's look, the only thing. I look, I respect Peter Morgan. I'm obsessed with the show. I can't stop thinking and talking about it. And the whole time I'm watching it, I'm thinking, oh God, Prince Harry, Prince William, like this is their mom. What yeah. The? I mean, there's been so much has come out about their mom. It has since, I mean, before, since before they were even born, you know, like there was the interview that she gave, uh, the, the basis for Diana and her own words and all of that. Um, so you have to kind of think that at this point they've sort of, they've made their peace with the public Diana versus the mother that they knew you would think. Well, yeah, but that's why I bring this up because this is not only, you know, deep as hell, but also, you know, you're taking liberties. Like we don't know that every time Charles upset Diana, she went to the fridge and binged and then right. vomited, you right. know, then that's something where, yes, you want to show the bulimia, but, but what was your take and how was, what was your feeling about how it was the whole thing was portrayed and dramatized so far? I'll be really interested to see how it goes from here. But so far, it seems that it's been extraordinarily generous to Princess Diana and shown her as simply a victim, where a lot yes. of the reading I've done from, you know, people who were there and biographers of this royal or that um, said that she very much enjoyed sort of upstaging him and stuff like that, that she was more into well, they showed her that. role as the Princess Diana that they, I think that they, they portray her as overly sort of meek and shy and lacking this sort of, uh, the, mm. the wherewithal to sort of make a lot of these decisions on her own. Well, I can see yeah. what you're saying because I think, you know, like they would show it in the crown as like, she would do something really sweet for him with this really benevolent notion or reason behind it. Like I'm going to do the thing at the ballet, uh, with Uptown girl, but really the, at the crux of it, what they're not showing is that she enjoyed upstaging him. Yeah. And I, you know, like, I think that nobody could have predicted this sort of, uh, this sort of media monster that that relationship created, right. That, you know, I don't, I think that the, one of the reasons that Charles and Camilla didn't work out was because she was not interested in becoming the princess of Wales. She didn't want the scrutiny she was older and smarter and knew what that would mean for her life and was not really that interested. Um, and I think that Diana was really sort of keen on it until it all 
happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, of course, nobody would be, nobody would sign up for that knowing what they do now. But um, I don't know. Ask me. I might. Give me the really? uh, contract. Oh, what, no, sign never. Up for being Ask- like the Prince of Wales or something? Oh, yeah. Or like, I mean, like if you think about the level of scrutiny that comes along with that, like I would not, you, you know. It's like, every, to, I don't know. I don't watch the news. Is it bad? Oh, yeah. I mean, like they followed her mercilessly, you know. Oh, Diana, always. yes. Then yeah. I watched the news back then, but I'm saying uh-huh. is it still the Even same still, way now? Charles and Camilla had to deactivate their Twitter replies because Twitter's so, uh, because the internet's so angry at them for the, because of the way they were portrayed on the crown that now they're getting all of this like hate directed at them on social media. I wonder how um, Morgan is dealing with this because he's a Brit. Right. I mean, yeah. this is a, uh, you know, while he's made one of the greatest TV shows, I think, or, or I'm going to just say uh, one of the greatest pieces of work I've seen in, you oh, know, yeah, since the seventies. I mean, yeah. I hold it up with some of the best films I've seen. Uh, you know, he's also in this very precarious situation. Have they written anything about this, about, uh, you know, how the crown is reacting and how he's dealing or no, not so much. He's kind of like, all that, all that I've read was about, um, that it seems confirmed that they watched the first season that the queen watched the first season and seemed to enjoy it. And I think he was invited to Buckingham palace at one point. Um, but I didn't read anything that was current to this most recent season. Um, and they do, you know, as I was sort of researching what was accurate in the show and what was sort of a dramatic license. Yeah, tell us. Uh, well, okay. So I have a, I, have I a love list. when you research stuff, Steph. Yeah, I, I was waiting for you. You're like me. Um, me and you are very similar. It's a, no wonder we share, Jason. Well, because because otherwise, <laughs> like, I would totally forget. I would remember the first thing I was going to tell you. Um, <laughs> I'm with you. Same reason. Go. So I, tell us in everything. The, in the show, uh, you see Princess Anne uh, had a relationship with Andrew Parker Bowles. And they make it sort of overlap with Charles and Camilla when actually Princess Anne did have a fling with Andrew Parker Bowles, but it was over before Charles and Camilla started dating. So it makes for a better story if they're all four sort of connected at the same time, but it wasn't true that way. Um, Princess Alice, uh, Prince Philip's mother, who was the the crazy nun lady, Mm, never gave the interview. Um, they think that Morgan added that in because her life was so interesting and they wanted to be able to tell more of her story. And that was a convenient way to sort of work it in. Uh, Princess Margaret. Sorry, but everything about her story is true. They just, there was Mm -hmm. no interview. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Just the interview didn't happen. They just, you know, a little bit of magic there. Um, Princess Margaret never suggested that Charles and Diana call off the wedding, never publicly, at least. Um, Nobody did. A lot of what I read suggests more that Camilla was more into Andrew Parker Bowles than she was into Charles at that point. And that he, Charles got his naval station in the Caribbean. He left and she married the guy that she wanted and chose that it was much less uh, sort of railroaded by the family and more adults making their own decisions. Well, I'm going to just cut in for one second because it's mm-hmm, seen in season four and tell me what you think that they really showed that, that she was the one making this. She didn't really want to be with him the way every time he asks her, she's like, yeah. she never says yes. Even when he says, I'm going to leave her, I'm going to get rid of this. Do you want to be with me? She's like, some things just, I can't leave the children. Like she's it seems never that she, Yeah. I think that she preferred Andrew Parker Bowles uh, in the yep. beginning that, um, Charles liked her more than she liked him um, at that point. And then after Charles married Diana and Diana was so beloved by the world, 
Um, Camilla knew that she would never want to, you know, she didn't want to step into those shoes in the first place, much less in place of Diana. So I think that while they do have this sort of genuine love story since their twenties and whatever, it's not quite as uh, neatly packaged as the way that it's, you know. Yeah. Charles seems like a little, you know, spoiled brat. And he's like, I want her and no one else can right. have her. Yeah, And, and he- I think, I think she was, she was fine to, you know, keep hooking up whenever they could and whatever, be his side chick. Right. Um, but, you know. Okay, what do you got it. next? <laughs> um, next. Well, I mean. That's fantastic. The, Go. The queen's uh, lack of emotion at the Aberfan um, thing, which they made a whole, a whole episode of. Um, that her biographer was really troubled by the way that she was portrayed and said she did show genuine emotion. She didn't show up until eight days after the disaster. But as they kind of uh, portrayed in the episode, the queen's presence just adds a lot of extra drama to a situation. So, so she stayed away because she thought that was the right thing to do. And they say that it is one of the greatest regrets of her life that she didn't go sooner. So not but supporting the Nazis. By all, right, not that one. Okay, just checking. Um, Prince Philip's cheating, they is disputed. Oh, really? That's so crazy. Go figure. You mean a, um, a prince, the prince of England cheated? No. Right. They all did. See, this is no. the thing. That's why That's why Camilla was happy to be the side piece because yep. that was like a thing. Camilla and Camilla's grandmother was the side chick of Charles's great grandfather. Her great grandmother was the side chick of he talks Charles's. About it. He says, and that's he loved true. her until the day he died. Yeah, true. True. Okay, wait, but the, the, the interesting, okay, wait, keep going. I'll remember again. That's, keep going. that's it for now. <laughs> well, that and be- then there's a couple of things that they, um, that they left out, like the, that there was an, a kidnapping attempt against princess Anne in 1974. Well, that seems um, good. I'm surprised right. they left that out. Um, which people were really surprised that they left out. He said it just didn't really fit into the season that you have to kind of pick and choose which things to go with. And right. so even though it's interesting, they didn't really touch on the this sort of uh, Beatlemania, British invasion, birth huh. of punk rock. Um, I didn't think about that. You're so right. right. Not at um, all. The whole sort of cultural shift that took place in Britain during that time would have been in the same season as the Princess Anne kidnapping in that sort of 70s time frame. Right. Um, and so it was chock full of other stuff, they said. Um, Bloody Sunday, when the which led to the assassination of Lord Mountbatten, they don't address in they address the it by saying Bloody Sunday. Right, but they right. don't really give you the yeah. historical explanation of it. At all. So, I mean, but you could also just listen to a U2 album. You Google, Google it. <laughs> yeah, like no. like it's, Seth. Spend two hours in an internet rabbit hole after the episode. <laughs> oh, did someone do that? Oh my That's God. Me. What is Jason saying? What, oh, I can't see. Jason's okay. really lucky. I can't see what he's saying. He says, this crown stuff is great, but what about... The monoliths. What's going on oh, with the aliens? I'm also in a group, a Facebook group for the monoliths, Cliff. Yeah, tell talk us. about this too. Okay, Just so the monoliths. Look, oh, I'm in a I'm in a Facebook group for the monoliths, um, mm-hmm. and there we plotted points on a map where we think the third monolith is going to show up, and whoever is closest to the pin gets five dollars from the admin of the group. As you hopefully know by now, if you guys follow the news, if you don't, let me catch you up. Uh, they found a monolith, a big shiny metal monolith in the desert in Utah. And then a few days later, they found one in Romania, six, exactly 6,000 miles away, apparently. Um, mm-hmm. And then the one in Utah disappeared. And then the one in Romania 
disappeared. Where's the next one coming, guys? I say Bolivia. If you draw. Egypt. Oh, ooh, okay. I say Egypt. I'm going to send way, you an invite. Cliff, I'm going to send, send you an invite to my group and you can get yourself, um, you can get yourself entered in the contest quick before they drop the third one. Yeah, so there's some speculation. Is it aliens? Is it some sort of bullshit Hulu viral marketing crap? I'll be so pissed <laughs> if it is. Oh, yeah, I'll be pissed too. But oh. like I've been saying, ask Jason, what have I been saying for you for, Jason, since we? What's Cliff been saying ever since? Not aliens. Not aliens. They're real. Yeah. They exist. Yeah. Aliens are real. Just deal with it. 2020 would be the fucking year that they start dropping the monoliths. And the one monolith, yes. the Utah monolith, has been there since 2015. And now it's gone. And now it's gone. Aliens. Aliens. But like, how do the aliens know that we found it? Are they keeping an eye on it? They're just well, around. I'm pretty much sure they know whatever they want to know. I mean, they don't, they, you know, aliens are using consciousness. It's telepathy. They're not even speaking. They're, you know. Isn't there, isn't there also some sort of wild conspiracy theory that the British Royal family are uh, lizard people? All reptilians. Yeah. Reptilians. That's yeah. why they live so long. Yeah. It's totally wild. I mean, like, listen, let me be clear. When I, when there's stuff like that, I'm not into mm -hmm. that. You know, no, but what I, I. right. But what I'm into is that they're aliens. Like uh, I'm into, I'm into the fact that actual, human adult people believe this shit like someone out there who like is a functioning member of society believes that the world is flat and oh, that know. oh geez i want to talk i mean i i spend too much time sorry flat earthers i hope i didn't alienate a lot of your stuck at homies today, I, I highly um, doubt it but, <laughs> but why but, not uh, i'm fascinated by the fact that people actually believe some of this shit that they believe listen here's the facts and i can only yeah. go by the facts the facts are this year the pentagon debriefed the nation this is the only news i know about where they said that the tic tac that was seen at the uss nemitz right mm -hmm. from the department of defense video is not of this world that was a pentagon debriefing right you know about this right stuff I don't know about this, but I'm going to learn about it after the show. Right. So the Pentagon admitted in 2020, they're like, oh, this is the perfect time. We got the pandemic going. Here we go. The Tic Tacs, not of this earth. Just let that land for a second. The Pentagon has never debriefed the nation on anything. Like, when was the last Pentagon debriefing And then Pentagon all of a sudden the monoliths start showing up. Listen. Yeah, listen, I'm just saying. Something's going on. It's going on here. All right. I know. I, what is Jason doing? Is he moving around? What is there? Jason like, doing? Yeah. So we're in Jason's. We're in Jason's office, his man cave, his little his little world over uh -huh. here, right? Yeah, I know. And so we, we've undergone some transformations in here. I keep trying to move because the sun hits me um, in here. <laughs> but uh, he's fiddling around with the TV and the PlayStation and stuff like that. He's really like, like 10 years old, kind of, in in deep in his heart and right now because we're, we're doing the show do you want me to get up oh J jason's done with having me on the show um, no, no, you, you're just running into our scheduled block of structured time oh, i'm so sorry no, stephanie don't be i love talking um, to you don't yeah, I'm, not, so I'm not concerned i'm of, just telling you what he's doing he's sort of fidgeting yeah um, that's why yeah but i couldn't figure out why yeah that's now why i, I know letting you in yeah oh, mm, that's yeah. why that's yeah. why you're fidgeting yeah i thought yeah. it was just because you're 10 nope Oh, there's a real reason. Yeah, awesome. no, no, there's an actual reason. Well, anywho, Cliff. First of all, Steph, we're not done. So we're going to talk more maybe Friday, maybe next week. But I love when you oh. come on like this. And I'm it, I really do. Yeah, I'm down to talk about the crown anytime you want or conspiracy yes. theories. Um, like I said, we'll we'll talk more about this monolith business. Um, I'm in. Send me the group yeah, thing. I will send you the group thing. All right, I wonder and what uh, the show is about to get a lot more boring. Okay. Are you guys yeah. ready for it? <laughs> yeah, I'm oh. ready. <laughs> 
See you oh, I love bye. you guys. Bye, love Steph. You. Bye. <laughs> She's awesome. Love you, Steph. First of all, first of all, um, I just want to put a shout out of there to all the flat earthers or lizard people or um, oh, QAnons, anybody. I just want. To- <laughs> you got lots of comments. Wow, sorry, second half. <laughs> she calls. She just said sorry, second halfers. Uh, <laughs> reference to the part of the show where I'm on. <laughs> She's the best. I love her. Uh, that was fun, uh, by the way. And, and let me tell you something. You got to buy her some MeUndies. Mm. Here's the deal. Even if you believe the earth is flat and that the other side of it is filled <laughs> with like ice picks and rocks, or you're a lizard person and your junk is some sort of like elastic uh, reptilian skin <laughs> ding dong. <laughs> I'm going to show you, you something. Go on, keep talking. It's got I just, to do with MeUndies. Go on. Yeah, I just want to let you know that me undies will make it will make it better. If you're going, if you only lay eggs once every two years on the on the beaches of of uh, of, a, of a small Polynesian island, and uh, then then you, what you need to do for the rest of the year is keep that junk up there with a pair of really soft me undies. Okay, so I want to show this. Can we see this on here? Or is it not going to come through? Because it would be awesome. If I could see it a little. I could see it. It looks like a. It's a mushroom cloud. Okay, so I'm going to put the. Uh sound so you can hear it and okay. then we're going to do this so here we go and then can you see it though no <laughs> look no can't see shit no no not anymore i can tell it's a it's american dad thing but i you missed it i can't do it basically the end of the world is happening mm-hmm and uh, Steve and Stan are sitting there looking out the window with the mushroom cloud forming, and they have nothing to say to each other, nothing to say to each other. And he goes, so, I'm uh, thinking about trying me undies. <laughs> Damn right you are. Damn right you are. <laughs> and Listen, if Stan Smith says it. <laughs> it's got to be true. It's got to be good. It's got to be good. Look at this. Two guys enjoying decorating in their me undies. This is... I'm not allowed to walk around. I want to. I want to say this outright. I am not allowed to walk around in just me undies and socks and a t-shirt anymore. Even though they're longer than anything my daughter will wear, it's still considered inappropriate for me to wander around the house in me undies. But that's why you get. That's why you get everybody. You get not just the undies. You get the apparel. Right. So Jason's going on the site to the apparel. We're looking at bottoms now, and these things. uh, You can not only can you wear them out, like literally, you can wear them out. Anywhere in the house is appropriate. Yeah. And so comfortable. So comf. So seven so of these. Colors. And you know what? When you put them on, you automatically get a six pack. It's part of the deal. <laughs> and a you, larger package. And a larger package. Yeah, it, it actually you, enhances your package, gentlemen. Not mine. It still looks like, oh, look well, at these. Look at this. It's an inner problem. Yeah. Look, yeah, I got an any. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Are those American... Those are, so if you have, if you have a Trumper in your life or you have somebody that just loves America and hates kneeling, you've got a pair for them. These are amazing. Be show, show your pride, put your left ball in a blue state and your red ball in a red state. You're right. You're right. Right. Righty red ball, bluey left ball. You can have a blue ball and a righty ball. Yeah, they really do. The stars are on one leg and the, and the red stripes are on the other leg. It's, it's, it's absolutely, I mean, I wouldn't wear this, but they literally have something for everyone. For everyone, including Hulk Hogan's family with those uh, (laughs) American flag pants. I mean, is it like, okay, I'm not going to digress on the Hogan's. This being said, though, gifts, 19 membership a month, right? And mm-hmm. you get free underwear. 
That's it. You never have to think about underwear again. Never have to think about underwear. Send somebody a gift. What do you, what do you look like? A, you have something else to say? What no, I'm like? just thinking about, I love thinking about underwear. I'm like, don't, don't take that away from me, Cliff. I like thinking about, <laughs> I like thinking I? about me undies. Well, and also they got loungewear now and the stuff for the dogs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, it's like you just hibernate up this whole season. That's what I'm doing. We're all stuck at home now again. Yep. Welcome, L.A. Welcome, California. No one yep. wanted to listen, so we're stuck at home. So why not be comfortable yeah. being stuck at home in and, MeUndies? And real quick, um, please go to MeUndies.com, mm -hmm. offer code STUCK. But make sure you do it by the by the 16th if you want it for Christmas. If you just don't, if you don't care, you want it for Boxing Day, do it on the 17th. If you want it for uh, if you want it for New Year's, then don't worry about this date. But for if you really want to get this for somebody for Christmas, 12, 16, 8 a.m. Pacific time, get it. Um, uh, You're right. Certified. For, yeah. No, I got I got <laughs> a lot going on in here. I got a lot going on in here. I didn't get to talk for like ever, and I had to hear a lot of things that made me sleepy. So. I, uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, get it, get it ready. Offer cause it's, uh, in, like I said, meandies.com offer code stuck right. and, and, uh, free shipping. and free shipping. Yep. All right. So we've paid the bills. We've paid the bills with something we love, something we love, 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 love. So All I'm right. very excited about this back. Thank you, Jason. Hi, welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> it's good to be back. I'm, uh, I'm glad to, I'm glad to be here. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's a, it's a beautiful we day. Well, um, a lot of stuff. I mean, I had a lot of, I had a lot of dreams while you guys were talking and that's felt nice. You just yeah. keep them going with that. huh? You're going to yeah. keep going. <laughs> um, I had a couple things I want to talk to you about without getting into the, the, um, like the, the and it's going to line against a little bit of politics, but it's not really politics stuff. But I do think that this story is really interesting. Um, John Mulaney had to apologize for a joke, uh, that, uh, he did on SNL, uh, a little while because he got, uh, what that got him investigated by the secret service shut the front door so um are you are you kidding me right now no, what did he no, say no so the and, i, yeah, I watched that I, I i actually we commented on how great i thought that monologue yeah was. yeah and so this and this was this was last year so this was before all oh. this stuff okay um but he but he was talking about it a little bit so i'm gonna play this a little piece from um his interview with jimmy kimmel right, Facebook, right now we have permission please leave us alone yeah, we do we have permission on this one so we're gonna just play a little bit of this this shouldn't be a big issue okay what do we got um, first we got an ad for a thing so we're gonna take that off for just a second yeah. so right now we're looking at a mccafe ad as yeah. it plays and they're forcing us to watch it. But meanwhile, John Mulaney's like the nicest guy too. Like he's the last guy when you're investigating him, even the secret service got to be like, Chris Chris really doing a, a two time Emmy winner and a very bright and funny young man. Starting Friday, he returns as the voice of a pubescent boy named Andrew on season four. Of one all right, of so this is the wrong one. I'm going to find the right one for you. Cause it was just the thing, but basically all he did was he did a whole joke around Caesar. He talked about Caesar and how when Caesar tried to seize power, a bunch of people murdered him. That's all yeah, the story Bruce. was. Yeah, yeah that, there was no, there was nothing about Trump, but it ended up getting him researched by the uh, by the the Secret Service for making those jokes. I mean, Trump's like Nixon. That's what it yeah. was. He, you know, Trump made list probably like Nixon. Yeah. He's on the bad list. Well, I, I I'm I'm curious about this from the other side of the fence. Do you ever? You know, as a writer and as somebody who has, you know, had done a bunch of different stuff in on different mediums, you know, mm -hmm. television, movies, all that stuff, you know, censorship, whether it's self-censorship or MPAA censorship or, you know, actual like legit, like full on federal censorship exists. Have you ever run into any of this stuff? Have you ever had something that we're, where you've written and they've gone, nope, it's just not going to pass our, or clear our censors and or anything like that? 
Never like- once, never once. But I will, I will tell you this: when I was young, uh, something scared the you know crap out of me uh, watching the Jeffersons mm-hmm. because there's an episode of the Jeffersons where you know he's not happy with how black men are being treated in mm-hmm. America. I mean, go figure. Yeah, and right. this was you know the seventies. Okay, and he read. Imagine how I don't know when the Jeffersons are, the eighties, early eighties, so late seventies, early eighties. Right. Yeah, this is beyond groundbreaking. FYI, just like all in the family, Norman Lear, what a genius! But mm-hmm. George Jefferson is not happy with the way black people are being treated in America, and he writes a letter to the president, just a letter, and he ends the letter with a quote from a famous piece of literature, which is "For whom the bell tolls, the bell tolls for thee." That's John Donne. John Donne. Nice, buddy. And the Secret Service shows up at his house to investigate him for trying to kill the president. And they won't let him see the president. Like the president's doing a drive-by and they keep him in his condo because he's not allowed to leave because he made that. All he did was quote literature. And I was like, wait, this guy can write a letter to the president, quote literature, and there's no threat. There's no implicit threat in there. There's, I mean, there's no threat. And John Donne is one of those like existential poets as is. It's the most ridiculous thing. It's like, oh, and I think what Lear and everybody else did that was genius was like, oh, let's further persecute the black man for doing something completely innocent, like driving. And I mean, but this is, again, late 70s. So that really stayed in my head, Jace. And for me, I always felt like, okay, if I do care about politics and I do hate a president or want to say something, it's probably not the smartest thing. So I think that there is a, uh, what's permeated our, our media is this overall fear of saying something like that. I think there is a fear. So I think with Mulaney, people are so careful of it that when something is so outlandish, they're still stretching for it. Like, all right, let's just investigate this guy. Like John Mulaney is going to kill the president. Right. I mean, this is the stupidest thing I ever heard. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, nothing. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's not a thing, right? Like they're, they're trying to pass censorship, you know, and NBC has censors, there's lawyers, there's, I can imagine, like, I imagine this room filled with, like, kind of the same way I've imagined the room, like, when they talk about if you put enough monkeys in a room, they could write Shakespeare, right? <laughs> if given enough time, you put enough monkeys in front of typewriters, they could write Shakespeare. I imagine that same room, replace all the monkeys with lawyers, and that's what I think a censorship office looks like in my head, just like, no, 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 censor, censor, script, script, script. And and right. and, right. Uh, and so I can just imagine, and just with some of the stuff that I've been working on in podcasting, which has no censorship rules, but like working with other people in different pieces. And as we, we start moving things into television and seeing how things will be played and how we reference certain things, like just going and just seeing like red lines, red lines, red lines. And I can imagine that goes, Oh, this joke here about Caesar. It's like, yeah, it's about Caesar. Like they're like, fine. Then they, they clear everything. Like there's, they know that nothing's going to happen, but to know that like the, 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 on the back end of that, like Trump go, I know that they were talking about me. I know that they were talking about me. That's what it is. It's the musings of a paranoid lunatic that's, you know, that's like, oh, okay, and people have to listen to him. By the way, I don't really fancy, even though I don't get involved, I am at best a conscientious observer, I do not fancy my tax dollars, of which I pay a lot, Mm -hmm. uh, to to be spent investigating John Mulaney. Well... That's 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 how they'll get you. That's how they'll get you every time. Every time they use, you know, if there's going to be, if there was no more perfect sleeper agent in the United States <laughs> to exist, John Mulaney it would be John Mulaney. Like who would ever expect it out of John Mulaney? And uh, you know, and it's like when we find out Tom Hanks has been an asset for uh, for Russia this entire time, it'll it'll surprise you. 
I, I, I got to tell you, I'm not surprised at all. I feel like half of the movie stars and international models, like you know, uh, uh, Zoolander, Zoolander, are, yeah, they're all agents. And ben Stiller <laughs> was absolutely right. You know, they made a comment in that show, The Flight Attendant, where they said that you know it is a very common thing that flight attendants they're so often approached to be converted to spies because of their oh. easy flying. You know, traveling. I got it. I believe it. Uh, and mules, spies and mules, spies and mules. Spies and Mules, yeah. which is which is a show that hasn't been created yet, but could be. Spies I was and Mules. Thinking that. <laughs> I was thinking that. Um, all right. Well, I have one more thing I wanted to talk to you about, and then we can kind of get moving on. Um, the, there, well, actually, I just wanted to bring this up because we we're talking about Mulaney. Yeah. Um, the the new season of Big Mouth comes out on Friday, which I'm very true? excited for. Yes, I it's gotten wait. great reviews. I'm a huge fan of this show. Um, you know, Nick Kroll, Andrew Goldberg, Mark Levin, Jennifer Flackett, but you know, John Mulaney is a big part of this. Jesse Klein's a big part of this. Jason Manzukis. This show is so funny. It's, it's for adults, but it's, 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 it's a, it's really built for kids. It's a, it's a dirty show about growing up that really talks about the things that kids think about. And it's funny for me from a nostalgic point of view, and it's very well written, but in general, like this is a show, if you can get past the dirty words that would, that would explain everything that your kids are already talking about, but don't understand right there in front of it uh, on, on the television. Yeah. I, listen, I love the show, but let me ask you, did you think that the last season wasn't as good as the first two? Um, you know, I think that they, I think that I actually didn't think the second season was my favorite. I thought the third season really picked back up from the mm -hmm. second. I didn't enjoy, and it's always those mid seasons. And it was that, that weird little grumpy, sad vampire guy from the second season that I wasn't as huge a fan of, mm -hmm. but I really liked the third season. I thought that, I think that them getting and not all getting along and dealing with some of that stuff was actually some of the funniest, most compelling portions of, of the show. Mm. Um, yeah. For some reason, the third season fell off for me, uh, though I am excited for the fourth season. I think it hits different for different people. I think for me, like the second season to me was, you know, I, I like this stuff. I, th I like that the kids aren't getting along. I like that they're fighting about weird little things that kids fight about. I, I like that they're dealing with some of that stuff. And so, to me, I just thought it was ridiculous. The coach is so weird and funny. That character that oh, Kroll plays, that you know, and that he becomes kind of like the pseudo dad of Jason Manzukis's character, just cracked Love. me up. Yeah. Um, He's just so lonely. I like that, that. I like that that Nick Kroll's character and Melanie's character aren't good kids. They're not bad kids, but they're just kids. So they can have bouts with puberty and fighting with each other and dealing with bad, bad, bad behavior and treating other friends really poorly and dealing with relationships poorly. I thought that was good. And I, 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 the, the, the second season was all that depression stuff, which I don't hate at all. Don't get me wrong. And probably should watch more of, but I, I like getting into this other part of it, uh, which, which I thought the third season did. Well, and to be clear, I loved the first two seasons. I'm just saying that the third season for me was the one where it fell off a little and I wasn't even sure if they were going to make a fourth season. And now we know yep. it's, it's good. All right. Well, I'm excited for that. So that's Friday. That's Friday. Yeah. All that's right. Friday. I like that. All right. So, oh wait, you got something else? Oh, no, no, nothing else. I want to talk a little, we haven't talked to any content last time we talked, we talked a lot about the goods and the bads, but we didn't really talk about new stuff. And I just nice. wanted to, I really want to get your opinion on those other shows that we talked about last week. Awesome. Let's do it. All right. So, um, so Where the thing is, so we went through all the things that I, you know, really wanted to talk to regarding Kevin Hart and the bachelorette and all that stuff. I want to talk to you about hillbilly elegy. Um, okay. This is a movie that you have on your don't watch list. This is something you were very excited for. And in fact, we talked about it a little bit and I said, I heard it got some bad reviews and you're like, and you're like Amy Adams uh, and uh, Glenn Close. Glenn Close 
this is going to be something that's going to be compelling no matter what, but you have it on your don't watch list now. So I would like to just not, I, and I don't disagree with you. I'm just curious um, from your kind you of, saw it. no, no, okay. I haven't. Cause I was told it was bad and I stayed away. Yeah. And, and by the way, good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, here's the thing. Um, first of all, I want it, as you know, I wanted to like, I, I was going in with the likability factor at a, at a, at a nine out of 10. Yep. Right. I wasn't, and, and I am not, let me be very clear. I am not a fan of Ron Howard as a director. Right. Um, not to say he hasn't made amazing movies, not to say I shouldn't make a movie as good as his worst movie. Right. Okay. Let me What's be clear. His worst, is his worst one backdraft? <laughs> I mean, by the way, that's a good pull. <laughs> that's a good pull. Okay. Let me say his best movie his is best, Night Shift. Night his Shift. Worst, his worst movie is The Grinch. Yeah. But it gave us Taylor Momsen. That's true. I mean, but it's <laughs> terrible. Okay. And, and and so is, listen, I know I'm going to get crap for this. I mean, the Da Vinci Code. Oh, yeah. Terrible. Yeah. The, the racing movie with Chris Hemsworth. Terrible. I mean, they did Ford and Ferrari and that thing won Oscars and this thing went, Rush went under the, under the mat. Oh, that's right. You know, um, and let's go back far and away. I could not love Tom Cruise more. Shot in 70 millimeter. Terrible. I didn't realize he did far and away. I mean, double check me, but I'm I'm pretty sure he did. Um, interesting fun fact: when I went to see it at the Arc Light, the only Arc Light, it wasn't the Arc Light; it was still the Cinerama Dome. Right on Sunset, you know, the Honeycomb Theater. Uh, I went out to the bathroom because I just had to. The movie's like three and something hours. Mm -hmm. And as I, as I'm walking back, who walks into the theater? Uh, Tom Cruise. Wow, Jesus. Yeah, and I was like, you know, because you get starstruck. I'm like, oh my god, it's so good. He's like, then why are you out here? <laughs> I'm like, there was no winning this, was there, Tom? There was, never any, yeah. <laughs> there was no yeah. winning here. <laughs> Get off your short little high horse, you son yeah. of a bitch. <laughs> he was jumping up and down. Uh, so that happened. Uh, again, far and away. Uh, now, here's the one I always get crucified on that everyone except me in the world loves is Beautiful Minds. Right. Hated it. I Okay, let me be clear. I didn't hate it. I just, it's okay. It's yep. it's It's okay. It's not like I saw that it was not the other person uh, the second he started talking to Ed Harris. Right. You know, now, and that's not to say I'm so smart because I get fooled by the dumbest stuff. Okay. I'm just saying like, what? Yeah. Okay. The Pentagon did not, <laughs> did not give a fucking debriefing to the nation on all your favorite news channels saying it sucked. Listen. Okay. So here's no, I the thing. Get it. Oh, I went I get in, so, so I think going into it, I'm not a fan of Ron Howard. Okay. I'm not a fan of the Howards. I mean, Bryce Dallas Howard, I feel like, you know, he's more talented than her. And, uh, okay. She, yeah. Well, I was just actually laughing about that. It's like, so you have Amy Adams in this, and it's like, well, you couldn't, you just, you just didn't want to hire your daughter to, to play that role because she's not How a How do you think she got to direct The Mandalorian? Oh, exactly. Daddy. He's like, hang on. Yeah, I directed I, Solo. Hey, John Favreau. I, you know what's funny is Listen, I like- I didn't, yeah. I didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't. I had to give Amy Adams the hillbilly elegy. You have to give Bryce a directing thing. <laughs> Just give Bryce a directing thing. I'm telling you, please, I promise I'll make it up to you, John. John's like, make it up to me. Yeah. I'm bigger than you, but I'll do it. <laughs> I mean, it's that's so what I feel funny. like happened. Yeah, yeah, I feel like, okay, so go on. Well, what the, I was just going to yeah. say, you know, even talking about like, I think that Ron Howard is a personality. I really like as a, as an actor back in the day and as a person, like he's yes. very funny and he has a great sense of humor um, and Warm. he's got great delivery from all the, you know, and all the stuff that he, you know, all the work that he did with the team over at Arrested Development. He made a very funny narrator for all that stuff. 
but I think you're right. I've never been, I, I look through his movies and there's some stuff. I think that he kind of peaked in the eighties for me, director wise, you know, I liked splash. I liked night shift, you know, you know night shift. Michael I like, there's no Michael Keaton really without Ron yeah, Howard. Yeah. The, the gung -ho, I'm looking through it. There's night shift to gung ho. Yeah. Um, you know, I like cocoon. Uh, yes, I like parenthood, you know, agreed. we talked about, about Willow, like this is all 80 stuff. And, and then, then it you, stopped. Yeah. I, I think the last movie I really, really enjoyed of his was Apollo 13. I thought he did a good job in that movie. I thought that was a good movie. Right. And that's where I listen. I know that's a good movie, but it didn't, it didn't ensnare me, but I right. know it's a well done movie. You know, I, and I go ahead. It was one of the first movies I, I, I bought with my own money on a VHS that I owned. Wow. So like when I had it, like when I got back from the military, that was one of the first DVDs or uh, movies I had when I came back from uh, basic training. So that's why I think I like that one. Cause oh, I had that like America gung ho. Well, I had, yeah, I had that. And then the star Wars trilogy were all the movies I had to be. Oh, and the, this really weird, this movie with uh, Danny DeVito, uh, Jack the bear. Those were the, America. America. <laughs> those were the movies I had, um, but okay. I think that's a, but yeah. So, okay. So, so let's talk about algae. We know we let's, so J.D. Vance, he wrote this. He's a lawyer. He went to Yale. This is a true story. I have not read the book. Um, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. I, I, I didn't. Now, the first thing I have to think is that J.D. Vance must be an excellent novelist. His story must be incredibly compelling on the written page for it to go through development as long as it did and make it to the screen uh, with such amazing players involved. That being said, I'm giving, you know, I'm giving credit where I don't know that it's due, but it's just my hypothesis because this movie is a caricature of itself. It's actually insulting to people from the South. It's like, if you're going to make something about Appalachia, you know, make sure that you make it as authentic as possible. And this was like, you watched everything on Heroin Hillbilly, you watched every, on, on Hillbilly Heroin, you watched everything that you could, and then you made a caricature of it. Now... That being said, I always have a problem with scripts, characters, stories that rely on dumb decision after dumb decision. See, Bryce knows. It's okay. And by okay, it's like, Bryce, you could have turned it off before you finished, right? You just didn't have anything else to do. I mean, and that's really what it is. It, it, it's, it's like he's got, in the middle of it somewhere, they set a ticking clock. First of all, let me tell you, what's this movie about? That's the first question. It's can, about it. It's about a hillbilly. Right. It's about uh, a guy who's smarter than the rest of his family who gets to go to Yale Law School and then the rest of his family hates him. But his mom's bipolar, drug addicted, and uh, he's got to come home to now save her because she OD'd while he's got his Indian girlfriend uh, and he's giving up his uh, he's giving up his big interview that, of course, he gets at the last minute and he's got to make a 10 hour drive back. So halfway through, like act two, they decide to implement a ticking clock, which I don't know what the hell you're doing, Ron, but like. Someone look over the script because <laughs> this is not the time to implement a ticking clock. Like this is not a ticking clock movie. Like what's going to happen? Like if everybody dies, I'm not shocked. You know, it's like if nobody dies, I figure like, okay, that's everybody lives. Who cares? On top of it, the interactions between like him and his sister, dumb decision after dumb decision. You know, it's like, and he decides to just drive home and then he tells his girlfriend and he's like, gets mad at her for not like, even the character motivations emotionally on every beat feel like a misstep. Misstep after misstep. Then you have Glenn Close, National Treasure, who I've yet to see. And, and Glenn Close to me and Amy Adams hold no fault for this. They needed to be directed. They needed to be contained and they needed to be held in 
and brought in much more subtle. I'm not saying I could have done it. I, I, I probably couldn't with that material uh, or with maybe any. I mean, this right. is, this is, uh, they are over the top and it is, uh, you know, and listen, if you, okay, great example of a bipolar story being handled properly and with the proper time constraints, oh. Ozark season three, that brother in Ozark, you want to know what it's like to have a bipolar uh, person who's extremely bipolar, like type one as a relative who's someone you love more than anything. Watch that. Okay. Because, Right. Because this that's basically what it's about. It's about a kid trying to come back. You know, it's like you never can go home again. That's right. really all this is, except he really never should have. And all <laughs> of us could have an extra two hours. You can't go home again. You shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. You like, shouldn't because we'll get two extra hours. It's like a double daylight savings time. Oh, well, wait, referring to the book, Bryce says, I haven't been able to finish. the movie. <laughs> See, I told you, Bryce. <laughs> Yeah, and I just feel like it's something you can avoid. And on top of it all, let's say you get through everything that I'm saying, the the uh, emotional inconsistencies, the bad decision after bad decision from character after character, the implausibility of the time frame and the constraints on the characters. Let's say you get through all of that. It's depressing as hell. There's not an uplifting thing in this. It's like, I don't know. I feel like, I can deal with depressing if there's some action or there's something interesting, if it's self-contemplative in a really interesting, introspective way. This is just like, okay, here's the time where we do character stuff. It's like that time in Sprockets when we dance. <laughs> it's like, here's the time where we do the character stuff. Ready, go. Long shot. Push in. Oh, wait, no, no. Switch it to a 60 lens. Let's just get in tight on Amy. Look upset. Look crazy. Now get back, we'll do handheld and she'll run around and scream. It's like, dude, I, I, just give me a break, man. Just give me a break. Like, let him light a birthday cake and someone smile. <laughs> I mean, really. I, I, you know, and again, it's like, but when you look at the la the lighthouse with Willem Dafoe and, uh, uh, what is it, Casey Affleck? Is that, uh, uh, no, is that an Affleck? Let me, I'll look at No, that Manchester up. by the Sea. Manchester by the uh, Sea is Affleck is and Willem Affleck. Dafoe is the lighthouse. But watch with, uh, Robert two. Pattinson. Right, Robert Pattinson. Now, there's the best example of movies that are depressing as hell, where you do not want to watch it, but you know there's something happening here. The performances, the gravitas, the, the immediacy of the emotion. It's so, it's like an open wound. And you're like, even though this is so awful, this is really something special. Unlike the case here. <laughs> oh wait another good discussion of this oh thank you very very much bryce uh, what does he say citations well, needed had a good conversation about the book right before the movie came out so that might be a good thing to look at oh, for oh sure. speaking of writers i just real quick wanted to throw it out here i got one thing i want to go over uh brad yeah. easton ellis's new uh movie Shards? is coming out uh happy face killers oh that's right smiley face killers smiley face killers i mean it's brett there's nothing going to be bad about it that's going to be good. And Crispin Glover looks creepy as hell, man. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about it, but it's going to be great. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Let's do that. And anyway, so I give a definite don't watch on Hillbilly Elegy. And, uh, and by the way, here's the last thing I'm going to say about it that I just remembered. Mm -hmm. Don't bait and switch me. Don't tell me it's an Amy Adams and Glenn Close movie. And then it's some kid I never saw in my life who's like weird and not <laughs> a great actor. Like, no, really. It's they a did very, that, they, no, did sorry, that with, they did that with Halo 5. I thought I was going to get Master Chief. I got some other dude. It's not cool. Out. It's not, not cool, man. I didn't sign up to watch this dude that I never saw before. He's kind of a redhead. Shocker. Oh, by the way, everyone's a redhead. <laughs> and, and by the way, I, I'm partial to redheads. You know, it's, it's like, and, and I still don't like them. 
<laughs> uh, well, as artists. before we go, I want to, we're going to say goodbye right now, but I wanted to show you something no. that um, I'm sure everybody's a lot of people have seen, but I feel like it's a good way to end today's episode. Um, we had actually been talking about changing the name of this show from stuck at home to something else. Um, but you know what? Not yet. It's we're still stuck at home together. And I want to make sure that everybody knows that, but I saw this, uh, this little commercial that, like I said, probably a lot of you have seen, but if you haven't, here's a good, uh, good goodbye for us. A good yeah. 2020. Goodbye. So we're going to go out on this. We're going to go out on this. So. Stay safe then. Stay sane. Stay strong. We're going to go out on this Jason commercial. All right. Thank you, guys. I love all you right. all. 11 months ago. <laughs> the devil's on Tinder. Written by Ryan Reynolds, by the way. This this commercial was written by Ryan. Oh, it was? Yep. The devil's now meeting his blind right. of Tinder. Two zero. Two zero. Please. Call me 2020. <laughs> so where are you from? Oh. Me too. <laughs> save me. These are also uh, the remasters that uh, that Taylor Swift have been recorded. <laughs> They're working out, just eating them strawberries, doing yoga. Never in a movie. She's still in toilet paper from the public bathroom. She's trying to drag him into a church. I just don't want this year to end. Who would? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, right? That's from Match.com? That's from Match.com, Ryan Reynolds. Uh, uh, that's, best. that's, you know what? Thank you, Ryan. All right, Jason. That was awesome. Thanks for showing that. I hadn't seen that. All right. Love everybody. Talk to you soon. Very soon.